0: Think of you know when you go to a restaurant, you want them to refill your water before you have to ask. That's the approach that I take on customer success is, is give them all the tools. Don't expect them to go find them and, and, and be proactive because customer service, that's reactive. Someone's having a problem reaching out to you. Customer success is you reaching out before they have that problem or before they need that glass refill is making sure they know all the tools available. If they're having questions or if they're not super tech savvy, you know, we have where people could sign up for one-on-ones. Every single person has a live onboarding that they can attend. We are obsessed with making sure that someone that signs up could have success with our product and knows how to use it. And that is probably the most important thing to me in the whole entire business.
1: You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. And when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, It's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations and these amazing Passive Wealth Principle Lessons. On this episode, I interviewed Jesse Burrell. Drops a tremendous amount of of nuggets, knowledge bombs. I actually had to stop and kind of bookmark some of the things uh, about wisdom and what not to do. Look for that towards the end of the podcast. It is just you know, oh, sage sage advice. He has built a tech SaaS company from nothing, not being a tech entrepreneur, solving his own problems, and in three years pushing over 60 million in revenue, has a goal to be 100 million in revenue within five years and really building what could be a billion dollar value company with no experience doing that. Problem solving and solving his own problems. It is a a very very exciting story. Look out for some uh, nuggets that he drops, some tactical books that he's read that he believes that people are missing out on uh, and just not familiar with it at, at all in the space. As well as being an investor, investing in real estate and in notes, and uh, you know, hear about his opinions on crypto the stock market, and even NFTs, in this exciting episode of Catching Knives with Jesse Burrell. Hey, Jesse, it's awesome to get a chance to kind of sit down and, and, you know, dissect some investments, Uh, not specifically anyone in detail, but uh, I'm curious to dive a little bit more in the company you've built and now like what's the next Jesse 2.0 version of, of life, or, or maybe it's a 1.5 uh, version you and I connected through a mutual friend, Logan Fulmer. Yep. Uh, and then we kind of, we've kind of are sitting on our quasi private equity or like venture, like we're looking for deals to place money into rocket ships that can 10x or 50x our money. And so we've that's we've had a, a few interactions there. But you know, for my own sake, you didn't just start here. You have now built a SaaS company, built a pretty big company. I mean, you're you're pushing close to nine figures. I mean, or at least I think that's the goal. Perfect. And so, like, that's tell cool. me like, what is the genesis of you becoming a tech? Entrepreneur investor.
0: Yeah, honestly, it really is um, how a lot of companies start. Is I was you know flipping homes and wholesaling real estate, buying some rental properties, and we didn't have the tools that made the our businesses uh, efficient to the way we wanted to. And um, my now partners Annie and Evo, we each had separate uh, real estate investing operations, and we both just started helping each other. They really struggled on the culture sales people side of things where my strengths lie and then they both are very system and process oriented normally where visionaries weaknesses lie and that's where mine lied and or laid and so he started helping we were building stuff for each other's companies or he was building them and i was using them but that's how it really started was we saw a need in our industry on the real estate investing side to streamline a lot of stuff through software to really organize your business, and it just kind of snowballed from there, turning into a multi-product line for um, real estate investors. And now a lot of our technologies are going to be—we're um, adding other verticals because it's our. We learn our platform is more um, residential people that need information and data on residential properties, so that has to deal with you know a lot of different um, verticals. Uh, real estate agents we haven't tapped into as well. Mortgage officers, home services is a huge one. Roofers, contractors, uh, solar, and we're really starting to talk to those people now, and it's really exciting for them to get excited about some of the cutting edge stuff that we've built that they can now use to to do more lead generation to you know residential and commercial properties.
1: So why don't I know a little bit about you know what the you the the genesis of your software you know so skip tracing and data to do you know wholesaling and and generate you know off-market leads so maybe for the people like dive into that like what is the you know the, the the base initial service that you guys put together and now you're stacking multiple products or services on top of that and then how is that now merging into these this applicable home services contractors real estate agents you know not just the real estate investor
0: Yeah, to I'll I'll start with simplifying it. It's really what our products provide to people is is direct to seller sales. If just think of it generally like that is when you're wanting to market direct to some type of property owner, commercial or residential, if you're trying to get in direct contact with them, you know, to sell them a service product, you know, whatever you're selling them, that's really what we're meant for is and we have a whole suite of products, kind of an all-in-one platform for you to do a lot of that lead generation. So to back the story up, it started with skip tracing um, and uh, wholesaling, and you know, uh, flipping homes or people that want to go direct to seller. You need you know phone numbers and emails, accurate contact information to reach out to them and see if they have any interest. And that's where it really started. Is we um, found some data sources, and we're basically when we started just wholesaling it. We were had a big contract, got it, got our cost down, and then you know sold it for more, and then. We were doing the same thing a lot of people were doing. So I looked at my partner and said, we need to be better. We need to evolve. There's were some big influencers in there and we didn't have a big online presence. So I was like, how do we create a better product? And then I could go to people that aren't selling it, the influencers, and have them become affiliates. And that was a huge strategy for us. So we actually um, created our own API and proprietary algorithm where we actually started Sourcing from multiple data sources and indexing those phone numbers and contact information to be much more accurate than just one source, and from there we we're able to create a competitive advantage for people wanting to use our product, and it's just evolved, evolved from there. So that's how the batch skip tracing started, and then a lot of people were being like, "Well, you know, we want a text or we want a cold caller," you know what I mean? So that was just you know the phone numbers. Now, how do people actually? You know, use systems to do the outbound, the outbound reaching to the customers, and so we started creating those products. So then we created something called Batch Lead Stacker at the time, to where it was just managing your lists and your data, so you weren't re-skip tracing the same phone number twice. You're able to stack different uh, property distress indicators to have a more likely person that's interested in selling, and then from there we added in actually our skip tracing into that software. Then we added a text message application, and then we added a list application. So now you could get our list from us because people are just putting their, you know, lists that they were buying from title companies or from Revo Gateway or from, you know, Core Logic in there. We're like, well, we could go find that data source and then just make it easier to where it's more of an all-in-one solution. And then we added direct mail. And now we have a... So it's really an all-in-one platform. And then on top of that, we really wanted um, a dialer because a lot of people like the cold call and and dial people. So we have a separate product called Batch Dialer, but the two products talk to each other so you could push data back and forth to each other for them to be able to lead generate and and keep track of their leads. And it's basically, we're doing everything that you need to do. Once they say yes, you should be pushing it into your CRM from there. So it's really just, it's a mini CRM for lead generation, but once it becomes a lead, you should be shoving it into your CRM and then having your own sequence of how you follow up or try and close that sale from there.
1: So what, uh, what has been, you know, that was 2018 that you started this?
0: Started the skip tracing, uh, to the end of 2019 or early 2020 is when the batch leads now it's called batch leads, uh, really started to gain some traction. And then, um, And then now we do have a a enterprise product and we're also building out our other side of our um, dialing product where we'll have an inbound side. So, you know, people that are dialing out of their CRMs, people that are call centers, all the inbound traffic. uh, We kind of had a long product strategy on that to where we were, when we are building our outbound dialer, we created a lot of technology because we knew we were going to hit this point eventually because all the big, dialing solution companies have both inbound and outbound solutions and it's um it's a much stickier product we'll be going to small medium businesses to where once you're tied into you know their crm or to their to their type of way that they're taking inbound calls they're they're not likely to leave because it's a big part of what they do
1: i mean this this really sounds like it's it's so much you know white space as far as you know opportunity that exists out there and obviously that you're building it on a you know this sas you know program and maybe that's just my own naivety to the space um like so but you know who are you seeing as like competitors and then how are you kind of staying ahead of them or you know just innovating is it through business acquisitions? Is it developing more products just from problems that you've had? Um, what, what is kind of that, that vision to go to, you know, nine
0: figures? So we've created all the technology we've built already. Um, all of it was built on one singular API. So what we've been able to do is now... We're offering enterprise solutions to big data companies because we have all these different endpoints we had to build for ourselves, for our dialer, for our skip tracing, for our lists, for our comping, for all these different things. And there's a lot of big businesses that like to, to chop up and use this data. So we actually were able to create, you know, an enterprise API product for some large companies. And that is just launching this year. We we had our soft launch in December and had, but those are large contracts, bigger accounts. So it's just it's just having different, a few different verticals and a few different products on how we could offer them to people because a large enterprise customer isn't going to use batch leads. That's for someone that is um, you know, small and generating you know, some outbound leads. Uh, big, bigger companies could use it, but the real big companies are just going to want the big data and they already have the way um, they've built a lot of the platforms that we already offer to people.
1: You have 250 employees now?
0: I just look, it's like 243 between uh, in-states and international. And then I think we have about 70 W-2'd in the States, give or take.
1: So what has been, I mean, that's a tremendous growth in a short time period. What are some of your favorite failures during that time? Because I mean, and maybe it's just been a hockey stick and nothing but, you know, aces. Uh, But uh, in my experience is all the businesses I've built, had lots of roller coaster rides
0: honestly it's been really learning and taking feedback from customers because when you build a product it's not perfect and you you have to be very honest and intentional with when you start a product that it's not the greatest yet it's not the best yet but help us be a part of being that industry leading product and we've been able to get our products there and we kind of have a better Go-to-market strategy and when it is a new product, on how we're not over-promising and under-delivering, we're under-promising and over-delivering, and you know we're giving them price breaks, you know, to use us. And we gave uh, when we started Batch Dialer, we really gave people huge discounts to be a part of that beta testing and let them know that hey, we're you're helping us build something special for you, your business, and a lot of people's businesses, and we really appreciate um, you helping us get there and and really. That was something we had to learn because on batch leads, we didn't quite do it that way. So with each product, we really learned on, you know, how to to get the product to, you know, the standard that people expect from batch products.
1: Yeah, that's a, a key point. And I think that's, you know, you kind of fell on there. The customer experience or client experience who whatever you want to call them there but um, if you can kind of dive into that what are some things and you know lessons you've learned about customer experience versus um, you know customer service or customer relations where where a lot of people think of it in a different way
0: yeah a lot of people think customer service is is customer success and there are two totally different things and I've had to learn a lot and read a lot because um, as we've talked offline, I didn't plan on building you know, a big software company. We were just trying to solve problems at first. Then we soon realized that we had no idea what we're doing and we had to get some coaching, some consulting. Luckily, I have two brilliant partners by my side too, to where we're all very eager to learn, read a ton, watch a ton, uh, find the right consultants to help us when we have no idea what we're doing and you know we're, we're still using those type of people because as you grow to different levels we're still experiencing this together and it's nothing any of us have experienced so it's 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 a really fun journey to to go on for sure but when it comes to customer success is that is my biggest obsession without treating customers right and making sure that they're having a good journey and experience with your product your product's not going to be successful so when people start feeling themselves because they're making a bunch of money. You, you, you have to be like a, an artist, right? Um, their fans matter. If you start treating your fans badly, they're going to turn on you and you have to be very well aware that the customers are the ones that make you successful and you can never forget that. So really having a defined journey for them, understanding that being ahead of, you know, really being ahead of, their expectations and think of, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you want them to refill your water before you have to ask. That's the approach that I take on customer success is is give them all the tools. Don't expect them to go find them and 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 be proactive because customer service, that's reactive. Someone's having a problem reaching out to you. Customer success is you reaching out before they have that problem or before they need that glass refill is making sure they know all the tools available. If they're having questions or if they're not super tech savvy, you know, we have where people could sign up for one-on-ones. Every single person has a live onboarding that they can attend. We are obsessed with making sure that someone that signs up could have success with our product and knows how to use it. And that is probably the most important thing to me in the whole entire business.
1: Man, it's, uh, I love hearing that because that, that's just like so many companies don't do that right. And, um, I think that's a difference maker for you guys. And obviously it's lending to your, your, uh, meteoric, uh, success so far. Um, you know, and, but there's a goal five years to nine figures.
0: Yeah. We're, um, you know, so we're two years away. I'm hoping to, to get to around 60 this year is our, um, is our goal. And then from there get to a hundred. So we've at least doubled or tripled every year the first 3 years so um i'm being a little obviously as you grow it's harder to to double or triple again because um you have to add verticals you have to have bigger budgets you have to get the right people in place to scale but we've um i'm lucky enough to have an incredible executive leadership team that um have been a huge part of us growing and the other thing is we can't do it without the team and the three of us founders know that is None of this happens without the great team that's around us, and like just kudos to everyone that's so dedicated to you know our products, our vision, and and having us grow because I'm forever in debt to you know our whole entire team on having everyone so aligned on on you know making sure we have a great product with a great experience, and if you could uh, execute those two things, I mean you're going to have a successful company
1: so is there like an end goal, like you're planning to exit, or is like, there are a line that you're trying to get to, um, or is this the lifestyle business? You're going to own this forever and, and take it nope. off to the sunset. Not,
0: not a lifestyle business. This is an anti-lifestyle business. <laughs> um, we'll either sell or go public in the next two to four years is, is our plan. So, um, we've already, already, a lot of people know we're actually rolling out vesting uh, interest for leadership. So we're going to have a vesting schedule for if if we get paid, our team's going to get paid. As I just said, we can't do without them. They should get rewarded just as we should. Um, I know we took all the risk at the beginning, but there's no way it would ever get here with without these people. And, and I'm not a greedy person. I'm a sharing person, a giving person, a collaborative person, and all three of us, like no one even asked. We're like, how do we make sure that they're taken care of too? So this, this was like an initiative that we put together. No one even asked. It's just something that we felt was the right thing to do because um, we're not 100% of this company and, and they need to get taken care of as well. Obviously, we, we pay our people well, but at the same time, if, if we have a big sale or a big win or, um, or go public, they should be um, celebrating ro- right alongside with us.
1: Uh, that's what I know about you as well as is, is that that kind of generosity and, and giving back and um, and I think maybe that plays into the why you care about the client and the customer so much and that kind of translates through what what you're already doing I'd like to kind of take a, a little bit of a pivot to um, that's what you've been doing you're building but you do more than that you got your own you know, kind of uh, investor lens to the world, you know, kind of side hustle investors or how, whatever you want to call it. So what is like, again, we're, you know, talked about at the beginning, Jesse 2.0, like, what are you doing now? And kind of leaning into that's your extra free time when you're not going to nine figures.
0: So to be honest, we've actually taken a lot of that stuff off our plates because we have an opportunity we never thought we'd have. So we're pretty hyper focused on um, the business and the products that we're doing because we do have a product line and we have new products. So it's, it's just like revving up a new company. You know what I mean? So uh, it's pretty much batch or nothing, but on the investing side, um, as, as we've talked about, I do like to dabble and look at some deals to do some, you know, angel investing to where I could just throw some money at something, forget about it and hope it pops. Um, Obviously, I like to invest in companies to where I could have some type of value to add to where I could call the owner with a tip or trick or, hey, I got someone for you or, hey, I, you know, here's a vendor that you may be able to use or sell to. I always want to add value, even if I'm supposed to be a more passive investor. That's just the personality I have. And then the other thing we really do is we own me and my two partners. Uh, when we partner together, I had another partnership that didn't work out so well. So when I had, you know, some PTSD and, you know, I I went through a divorce and, you know, you have separation agreements and you kind of learn a lot. And I told them if, if, if we're going to be together, you're getting all of me. And if we do anything together, we do everything together. So everything we do outside investing, because it takes away from, you know, if that's taking away from our companies, then, you're going to start feeling if someone else is doing side projects, then you feel like you work for that person and they're able to do other things and create new income. And I kind of went through that and I, I really didn't like how that made me feel and um, people excluding other people and and ownership and focusing on other things. I felt like I was their employee and they were going and doing other stuff, finding other ways to make money. So we do everything together. Um, Any deal now we don't have to, but, Anything that any of us are going to invest in, we have to bring to um, each other and make those decisions. And if it's a big investment, we can veto it because if we want to allocate money towards something else, we don't want that person spending that money. But we're pretty well aligned in that. So we do a little bit of that. We also do um, a big amount, of hard money lending. So that's actually very passive for us. We actually just do like a personal guarantee on people that own a lot of um, real estate assets and put a bunch of seconds on and they're basically just getting a, not a revolving line, but they get a big line that they could go use whatever they want for. And they just pay us every month for it. So it's not attached to a house where we have to keep creating new, uh, you know, deeds and, and all those type of things. Um, not deeds, but um, notes. We, we don't have to create new notes every time they um, have a transaction. So we do a lot of that. And then this year, I think we've decided to identify, we want to figure out, we want to buy some apartments so we're going to buy probably one apartment that's anywhere from 10 to 20 million dollars to do some costs segregating so we could depreciate our taxes a little bit um and just start working towards that cash flow we probably have about 50 doors collectively but we haven't put a lot of effort into it and we just want to start buying you know 100 units or bigger moving forward it's just by a couple big stuff here and there and some emerging markets so we're gonna have to do a lot of due diligence on you know, where we want to do that and make sure we find the right property management. But we'll buy something pretty turnkey because as I said, we're trying to be hyper-focused on the opportunity we have in front of us. And I think that's a big problem a lot of entrepreneurs have is they're trying to have so many businesses instead of, if you have something that you know you could grow to a huge, huge multiplier and sell, you shouldn't be focused on anything else, in my opinion. Get, get to that goal then when you have that big exit or that IPO, then go play with all the money on all the, all the cash flow stuff that you want to do.
1: Yeah, that's, I, uh, I'm part of a mastermind group. And, and what's, what's interesting is, you know, as, as it's grown, there's more and more people doing cool and rad stuff is you get the, uh, you know, the FOMO of he's doing this super rad thing over there and he's doing that you know thing over there. And you're just like, I want to do it all. Like, and what I've found is, you know, like, like you just to reiterate, like sometimes there's a doctor that is really crushing it. You know, he's, you know, she, you know, this instance, cause it's a men's mastermind. So he, you know, he's making over a million dollars a year, take home, you know, vertical income. And then they're like, well, now I want to do a, a drop ship thing and I want to go do this and I want to go throw that money. In. and And what happens is it takes away from them. And so then they don't make a million dollars. They make 800 or 850. But right. it was exactly that point. Your point is that FOMO of running around be like, dude, you could take the thing, the, the, you know, skills that you've learned and turn that into $2 million this year. Right. There's almost no business thing that you could do on the side that you're going to make an extra mill, uh, you know, on a, on a side hustle, go do that. And exactly to your point, And then, where I have another friend who is a doctor, he's just more disciplined about it. He is only an LP investor. He puts 50 grand a month into LP investments and has been for like the last four or five years. And so, but that's now, he's now doing 75 or a hundred thousand. He just had to find the, the right sponsors. And then, you know, here's my list of people I would invest in. And he's like, and then every three years or five years, they're coming back, the checks are coming back with friends. And so exactly that. So he's been able to build his, his practice, you know, private equity came in and bought a a chunk of it. And now he's going to get a neck, a second or third bite at the apple, focusing on him being able to grow the business. So your the, the advice you've given is so spot on. And I feel like, everybody's, you know, like go do everything all at once. And I same thing Have some of those same issues. Like, it's like, I want to do everything, but all right, I'm more of a real estate ish guy. Um, What, you know, on that kind of side hustle or, you know, dabbling in other things, venture crypto, NFTs, are you doing anything in that space? And and, and if so, what is it and what's uh, blowing your hair back?
0: So I had the PTSD of, what was it, 2017, I got murdered in crypto. So I've already seen a cycle. I'm actually waiting for uh, Bitcoin to get under 30. So it's gotten close, but I'm a pretty disciplined investor to where people are just making fun of me or they're like, how are you not writing this? And I'm like, this is my thing. If I miss the wave, but this is my investment strategy and I would be disciplined. When it goes under 30... I'm going to buy half a million dollars and then dollar cost average and monthly. If it doesn't and I'm wrong, I'm doing just fine and I'm okay with missing that train. And that's what makes me different from some people is I'm disciplined. I don't listen. Like I put together my number, how I want to do it. And if I'm wrong, I'm okay that I'm wrong. A lot of people don't get that is it's not going to change my life one way or another. Bitcoin doubles or triples. Um, it truly isn't going to. It's just another passive way. To make some more money but at the same time i have other vehicles that are uh, more predictable that i could put it in and i don't need a get rich quick scheme or i don't need to get rich quick or i don't need to get a million dollars quickly um i already have a lot of that stuff so it's just being disciplined with with how i want to do things and and being conservative to where i don't think Bitcoin's going go to go zero i actually think it's going to go way up but i think there's going to be market cycles and everyone has been in this euphoria for way too long and i'm actually holding on to a lot more cash right now doing a wait and see and then people like well inflation inflation i'm like that's fine like i could be wrong and you could be right but i'm not gonna let i listen to a lot of people i make a decision and i kind of commit to what strategy i put together to be honest with you but nfts i think is a huge bubble crypto is not a bubble but it's very volatile right now with the stock market i i watch the stock market i have a little bit in stocks not not a ton of money just You know, hundreds of thousands, nothing. I'm not playing with something that makes me uncomfortable. And the market has totally taken a shit. And I haven't even looked at my portfolio because it's just there. And I like the stocks that I'm in and I'll wait for it to rebound. People only lose money when they get scared and pull out. You keep it in there, it just goes down on your computer. It doesn't necessarily actually go down. So, you know, I'm willing to ride some of the waves and stuff like that. But I'm not investing a lot into crypto or stocks right now. I'm kind of holding some money onto the side. Uh, apartments I'm comfortable with, um, rents are finally going up and that's an asset class. Uh, I think it's going to become a renter's country. So the more real estate you could own as hedge funds and and big companies start driving up prices for that. I, I just don't think that's going to go away or get hammered quite so hard. So I, I'm more comfortable in real estate and, uh, lending money. And then if the right opportunities arises in crypto, I'm not scared to go hard, but I'm going to be disciplined on, on waiting until, I think it gets to a low enough number to where I can make a nice return and be hedged. If it goes down more, it's not going to, not going to kill me, but having these 20, 40, 50%, you know, down shifts and you know, three to six month span is just crazy. Especially if you're playing with a lot of money, that's just, I, I don't want to have that on my mind when, when I could be focusing on just growing my business.
1: Yeah. I mean, having that investment thesis and having that, uh, you know, plan, you know, and a, a how I, can invest into distressed real estate is exactly that is having a, a plan. And I think that's the one thing that early investors don't really understand as far as whatever your business plan is, you know, o- only buy apartments, you know, only buy NFTs, only do whatever. I mean, it is, is, but you need to kind of think out that process and what you're trying to achieve for it versus just let's throw some money at this and, you know, get rich quick. NFTs are absolutely a bubble, but I also believe they are going to seismically shift everything about businesses moving forward.
0: Just Uh, Yes, I agree. I think there's application to all of it. I just think there's a lot of bubbles right now. Cause I, I, I really like how you can make an NFT and then, value to it to where you get special discounts or you get like there's some really cool stuff that you could start doing with it or people get exclusive access to this or that it's just no one's following through with these projects right now they're promising something and then rug pulling and and taking a bag to where like i hate to say it but there needs to be some regulation in some of this stuff because a lot of people are getting uh, taken advantage of and scanned and you know i just don't like seeing that and um i don't i'm not an expert whatsoever but i think all of crypto, blockchain, NFTs, and even the metaverse and all the digital real estate, I believe in all of it. I just don't know enough yet. And I don't know if it's a bubble yet to where if I get in later and don't make as much, I'm okay with it, but I just need to know more. And I don't have the time to to know as much as I need to know to comfortably invest, because I don't want to be that person that hears from two people and blindly invest and then you make a huge mistake. I've done that before the first time um, with crypto in 2017, it's like I would just listen to somebody on the internet and, and blindly follow them because they seem to know what they're talking about. And you, you need to make your own decisions. You need to do your own research. You can't blame anyone but yourself when you make a bad investment, to be completely honest with you. And, and a lot of people like to, to blame or be victimized, but at the same, same time, your greed is the one that's making you do these things and you need to hold yourself accountable to, to doing something risky if, if that's the decision you make.
1: Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Look, two of the most common questions I get asked are where can I find good deals to invest into and is it possible to invest alongside of our deals as a passive investor? So my team and I wanted to put together an insider list where you can get first access to investment opportunities, due diligence resources, and best practices for those interested in investing passively into deals like the ones we talk about on the show. Those deals are mostly in the commercial real estate space, but I oftentimes get exclusive access to deals of people like the guests on my show. If those deals pass our criteria, we pass them on to those on the list. To gain access to this insider list, all you have to do is go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. We also host events, dinners, and giveaway VIP access to events that I'm speaking at or attending. Once again, it's www.catchkniveswithan's.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. For those that are serious about passive wealth building, we'll see you on the inside. Now back to the show. I like uh, you know some of the things that you talked about as far as you know the investment, also segmenting that out, siloing out as far as so yeah, I invested in. I think it was probably 2017 as far as in crypto and other things like that, but I never sold. And so I was like, and now it's up 10 X, you know, it's like, you know, it was just the, 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 diamond hands. I was treating this like I treat venture capital or, or like, I'm just like, I'm putting this money here. If it goes to zero, okay. You know, I'm not going to be, you know, uh, missing meals, uh, feeding my kids. Right. It, it goes to a gazillion dollars. Well, I might sell if it's a gazillion dollars, but I was like, if it goes up, you know, and and it has, it was a wild ride. Like it was a lot and then nothing and then a lot and then nothing. And it was just like, yeah, I'm not selling. This is just the way that I was, I was placing some allocation of funds. And the same thing with the NFT stuff is um, 99% of it. And, And really, I believe this is the truest form of capitalism in its, you know, pure you know, people are getting scammed. Yep, you're getting scammed. You are thing is it is, you know, uh full on out there, and there's going to be a bubble burst. There will be a correction. There will be the dot com. Uh, you know, you you put hundreds of millions of dollars between anything that, you know, put a dot com on it, you right. know, and be like, that's no,
0: same thing. and
1: Yeah, exact same thing. It's just good. History will repeat itself or at least rhyme and look very similar. It's right. in a new version of the world and probably going to be to a magnitude greater, in my opinion. But Amazon.com got started in 99 during that era. You know, yep. there is going to be some company or many companies that get created that actually follow through and build platform companies within this. And what exactly what you're doing already, the, almost like the SaaS component of these smart contracts that is reoccurring revenue that you sell it once, but then it every time it sells again, you're getting 10%. I was like, I think creatively, however you, you can structure some of these things in so many different ways. And the point that you brought on, the utilitarian value, of it is what needs to be. And I feel like so many people are doing just the collectible, like who gives a crap, you know, like, you know, a pixelated picture, you know,
0: that's just not art to me. You know, people are like, I I don't get it. And that's when I don't get it. And I may be stupid, but I just don't get it. So I don't invest in it. And I don't care if it can make me a bunch of money, but like, I, I don't understand, like, I understand there's artists and there's some incredible people, but like, everything is just being sold and touted. And um, you have influencers, you know, pumping something or or talking about something. And I'm sure some of these really rare collections that are already worth a lot are gonna be super successful in the future. But like, I don't know what to buy now and I don't have the time to really vet out everything. So I'm just waiting to see, I'm waiting and seeing. Um, As I said, I'm not trying to get rich quick. I'm happy getting rich slow and understanding something before I make a decision. I don't have to be the earliest adopter. I mean, I was pretty early on Bitcoin. And the only reason why I sold my stuff was I think I kept it for another year as it just stayed dormant. And then I was like, you know what? I was like, I could use this. I think I had 20 or 30 grand left. And I was like, I could just use this to flip houses and and on this money I'll make, you know, over a hundred percent a year on on you know, flipping through and through houses. And that was kind of my justification. So I really didn't lose. I actually until it went up, I made so much money on that. 20, 30 grand on turning it through, uh, you know, fix and flips and marketing for wholesale deals, I actually made a bunch of money on it. People just don't look at it like that. So I don't think I made a mistake. I just applied the money elsewhere and had it work for me somewhere else. And it didn't make me a bunch of money because you have a high velocity when you put it into your business. Uh, you know, it could be extra marketing that I was spending with that money. And my return on investment is is very high there. It's just active money, not passive money, but I was able to make money using it.
1: So we touched on briefly, you're sitting on cash. I have some friends that have you know moved to cash in 2020 like heavy cash and then have just been sitting there, you know, and you're just sitting there and they're like, it's going to crash at any minute, you know, it's going to crash in any minute. And I check in on them every once in a while. How's it going? You know, they're like any minute it's going to crash. You know? So like, where are you in the world Call that macroeconomics or real estate or, you know, some of the other things like dive into just your mindset. What are you thinking? What are you reading? What are you seeing that you see happening uh, moving forward? I know that we dove into NFTs, but you know, the the greater influence of what batch leads, what's you do on a personal level in real estate investing?
0: What do I do? So like what do I see? I see um like when I say I'm sitting on cash, I a lot of the cash I sit on, um, I don't sit on for long. I I invest it with the hard money. So I do a lot of hard money. When I say I'm sitting on cash, I am and I'm not. We have a lot of money out to, you know, big friends that have lots of assets. So that's that's where I'm most comfortable with it because I know that They're not over leveraged and they could pay the money. And we have like a 90 day clause for either side to take it. We could take it back or they could give it back. Cause right now I'm just still not super comfortable with, with anything. I don't love stocks. I don't love crypto. I I think real estate is expensive. Now, if you can find the right deals in the right markets, that that's fine. But I'm not just buying to buy. Like we, we were going to start buying Airbnbs and everything blew up so much. I was like, ah, it's inflated. Now I really don't like the returns. We're gonna buy. I thought commercial was gonna crash, you know, in 2020, and it's everything's went through the roof. So we're basically just lending right now, to be honest with you, to, to big players for them to to grow their portfolios. And then I have a couple friends to where I'm gonna um, invest in some of their syndications and funds since I don't have the time. I I could help them raise some of the money to get me some points there, and then put some money in there um, and get some uh, tax savings there. And then as we've talked about. Um, I'm trying to find more places to just put some some private equity and leave it there and and hope the company booms. And I like putting you know two or three of those out of your anywhere from fifty to two hundred grand. I have no problem doing that. I just like having little little pieces everywhere. To be honest with you, to be leveraged or to be hedged against you know a bunch of different things. And I, I'm not a super sophisticated investor. To be completely honest with you, I just I try and make the right decisions and and you know make sure my money is working for me in some capacity. But I'm no genius when it comes to investing i'm just pretty smart at being conservative and still getting good returns if that makes sense and i'm not scared to take a risk either but i don't just try and blindly throw money around but i will i love the startups where you throw 100k and five years later you get a million back uh if you do enough of those and you pick you know some good horses that that that's the true passive money in my opinion is like nothing's passive after you vet them out and you throw it in, it's truly passive. If you're not on the board, like they're going to sell or they're not, you're going to get something or you're not, but you, you find you do enough of those little nuggets. Um, I think that's a really good business model, especially if you have a lot of money and you're, you know, passively investing now, or you don't want to do too much and manage a portfolio, or you want to do a little bit more than stocks. And I think it's fun. I'm a gambler at heart. I used to, you know, once upon a time, trying to be a professional gambler when I was like 18 to 22. So I just think that excites me. like The little gamble, I mean, it likes to do that stuff too.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think you just hit, hit the, uh, the nail on the head. I call you know, alternative investments is where the game is. If you're just trying to get in on the, the S&P 500, you're just trying to park your money. Ultimately, you're losing you're, you're, you're losing, you're treading water. And, and, and so, you know, I think
0: it depends on your, on how much X, ex- if you have, if you have some good coin saved up, I would hedge against a few things, but you know, a lot of people are never going to do that, you know, write a $50,000 check. As I said, I'm just a gambler. So I don't think it's for everybody. They're not a gambler, but like, I like the excitement of of doing that and believing in someone and, and, you know, hoping my intuition about their business and their personality is right. But, you know, a lot of people that are just making, you know, th- these are for high net worth people, in my opinion, if you're not a high net worth person, like that's where I think the S&P and doing that, that is the smart way to do it. But that's also not going to get you filthy rich, but it could leave you with a nice nest egg to where, you know, you could retire, at, you know, a decent time, but I- I'm not trying to retire. When I'm sixty, I'm trying to retire. When I'm forty,
1: dude, that's awesome. I wanted to dive into a few things: books, mindset, or coaching, or masterminds. Like, what what is it that has unlocked some of these keys for you? You know, like you said, you just kind of you didn't start as a tech entrepreneur. You didn't start at the SaaS. You were. uh, Wanted to be a golf pro, poker pro, you know, like, you know, but, you know, so what did you do, you know, along your path and what were some of those like key things that you did? Any one of those and or several of them that you come to mind when uh, along that journey?
0: So books changed my life. Um, I'm not a reader, but I do audibles. I do 30 to 50 a year. Um, Some, yeah, probably about that. I'm not the biggest reader, but I definitely read more than most. And I, I watch a lot on uh, YouTube when I'm trying to learn something. I, I think that's another great resource. And listening to podcasts, podcasts are good. They're normally more storytelling. Like I like books or Audibles because, like, you're really learning what you're trying to learn. Like a podcast normally is giving you a sur- surface level. I I want to know some strategy. I want to. I know some of it's dry, especially in business, but if i'm gonna you have to spend that time and you know sometimes that those audibles that's work time it's not it's not something that excites you or motivates you but it's something that gives you what you need and it motivates me to where i'm able to bring a new idea to the business by reading through or listening to this dry material but it's it's something that will just resonate and, and click a spark in me and i'm like wow i was like i never thought of it that way and books has been a huge thing um mentors have been a huge thing. So we kind of, in Phoenix, um, there is a group of us that really like three, four years ago, as we're all coming up, started collaborating together, having quarterly stuff and, and we all just grew and exploded and pushed each other and they all, um, it's not necessarily a mastermind or mentorship, but it's more of a collection of, you know, like eight dudes and a chick, which one of the girls is my partner. To where we've just really helped push, and I go to each of them for different stuff that they could mentor me on on life or on business or on sales. There's such a collective of knowledge I've been been able to tap into each of them for for certain things, and that that really changed my life with um, some mindset stuff and with some business stuff and how you treat people and and how you become a leader and you know and there a lot of them are fathers, and if I'm gonna be a father one day to look at them is, um, and they come to me for stuff too, which is, which is incredible, but that, that really changed the trajectory for me as well as the kind of the little, little group that we built on collaborating and caring about each other and and helping each other. Um, that, that definitely changed my life. And then I have a few consultants slash mentors that, um, we have that have, that have been game changer for me as well. So those have really been the big things that have really helped me because, you know, I didn't know anything. So I had to learn a lot quickly and, you know, reading and finding the right group of people and then the right consultants that have done stuff you haven't done yet. Because I've been able to help and mentor people in real estate because I've done so many deals. What you're really teaching somebody is what not to do, not what to do. I've already made that mistake. Don't make it. And that's, that's, what's really helped us a lot or, Hey, you're going to need to switch to Salesforce for your CRM. You need to stop waiting because you're inevitably going to get there and you need to trust me and we used to be very slow to saying our business is special now we're like you're right this is gonna suck let's let's go attack this and and you know fix fix this part of the business on mistakes that we made so having people help us that have already been there has been super helpful as well
1: so i want to Put a, a a you know little bookmark right where that that last little statement, the what not to do kind of component, but I'd like to go back and what are some of those books that were impactful for you so that we can give some little nuggets to those that are listening to the podcast is what were they or any that you do remember
0: yeah, uh go giver. Is one of my favorite books of all time. I read it every single year. Um, and they have a they have a few books now where I've read most of them. I just love the storytelling of the Go Giver books. Um, if you're trying to grow a business and have uh, problems aligning your leadership, the uh, the Five Dysfunctions of Leadership is a great book as well. For me creating better habits, um, Atomic Habits. I read every single year too because I always get stuff out of it and it helps bring that stuff back to me. And then I have so many I could tell you. Um, Let me think one more. The one that really changed um, for our business is Measure What Matters. It's a book on OKRs, which is objectives and key results. So a lot of people do EOS or traction. Um, I think that stuff's garbage. Like the Googles, the Amazons are all on OKRs. Um, It really aligns your business and um it's really hard to do it's a simple model but it's super challenging to where you know you have to have an objective so i want to get to this much revenue this year but you actually have to break down every single thing and everyone that's responsible for you getting there so the planning takes forever but everyone has the ultimate goal and everyone's aligned and then they feel important on on their part of helping get there it's it's really hard to execute but it definitely changed our business to where there's no way we'd be there if we didn't start implementing this about a year ago no fucking way
1: that's awesome so uh, the i've read those i i act uh i have not read the five dysfunctions of leaders or uh, leadership so i'm gonna uh, have to put that one there but all those other books i 100 agree with i've read them and they're like you know, you're just like same thing or EOS or traction or rocket fuel and all those other things. And there's a whole lot of them in that category of business systems. And depending on where you are and what your, your plan
0: is. So they just give you like, you have a rock, right. Or you have a goal, but there, no one is aligned to that goal. I, I think it's archaic and I can't believe it's still being taught because yeah, you could put KPIs around people, but they still don't know the goal and how they're, how they're tied into that goal. And I I I think it's if, if I'm gonna do one thing, I'm gonna shout that. Like I I went, I'm at a, uh there's a mastermind in town, it's called investor fuel right now. And everyone is on uh EOS retraction. And I'm just like, you guys, like I just I feel bad because I, I don't think it's I don't think it's the right way. I, I believe in it so much, and I know so many other big businesses that do it this way. And um, for some reason in real estate, no one knows about it, and I could probably create a 10 to 20 million dollar coaching business on it, but I just don't have the time.
1: One of the things you said earlier that I put the bookmark in is what not to do, or you know, kind of the the guidance. That is one of the biggest things that is an evolution of myself, is like I was really good at making mistakes and then learning from those mistakes. Right. That's a very tried and true method from learning about things, and it's a very effective. You learn when you go lose money. But now it's like wisdom, mentorship. A lot of those things that you you layered in is like, don't go do this because of, and maybe it's not even sometimes explained, but just do, don't do it you, like you trust that person. If you trust that they're giving you and guiding you in the right direction, they're giving you wisdom of what not to do. And, and it's back to like Warren Buffett's adage of don't lose money is rule number one. Uh, or don't lose your money. Rule number two is see rule number one. It's kind of like this circular logic. It's like that same thing. Don't do, do that, or guess what? You got to go do to Salesforce because here's the path that you're going to go on. The sooner you start, is going to be painful. I, I just want to you know highlight that that advice that you gave because that is so so significant to when you're looking to grow and scale beyond just. Uh, you know, uh, somebody called it, I, I heard it, the broco, the bro company where we, we just were randomly doing a business together. And I was like, I've had lots of those businesses where we're just like, Hey, let's do a business. Like, yeah.
0: Broco. I I'm like
1: broco. That. And yeah. Yeah. And so, and then it was like, but now it's like, wait, time is our most precious commodity. Money's fake. We can make more money. I cannot make time. I cannot make more time of it. And as that is so, so very precious, that wisdom, that little nugget that you dropped, what not to do is the most important thing that I think people need to understand because it it exponentially opens up your possibilities uh, versus the trial and error.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you could ask why, but they shouldn't have to give you all the reasons. It's more like, Because this, that, and the other, but trust me, I don't need to explain all of it, but this is where we have to go. And we've learned to just be like, okay, you know, like, and these are, don't just blindly trust some new person, but this is trusted advisors that have proved themselves or mentors that we've gotten to know. And now when, when they're consulting saying we need a big change to be made, we're not really questioning it. We're like, okay, like, why does this have to be made? Counterpoint them. And then they're like, okay this is why. And then you're like, all right, let's do it. So it's just, I mean, don't blindly follow. Well, sometimes I do because I have some incredible mentors, but you know, I'll ask questions and be like, well, we want to do it this way because I'm like, well, no, that will fail that. And then I stop asking a bunch of questions because I'm like, all right, they, they've already been through what I'm about to go through. I, I don't need to ask every reason and get validation. Like let's, let's go do this and um, let's do it the right way.
1: Yeah. And that's like you said, experience. If somebody's done what you're trying to do. That's the other thing as far as, you know, the consultants or mentors or the other things, like if someone's done what you're trying to do, don't go reinvent the wheel. And they're like saying, don't do this. Or the part of the thing, this is how you get to your exit is like, I exited my company for $150 million in this type of business. And they said, this is X, Y, and Z. And you're like, okay. You know, like that makes sense. Maybe you have different gradient versions because your business is slightly different, but it's yeah. like,
0: but it's not. And that's what I've learned. Yeah. It's not. And don't have an ego to think I could do it better than them, that they're trying to give you advice to help you and, and make you successful. And I've learned to be like, I've always said, we're different and unique. We're not, we've actually just made our products difficult and had too many products where we need to absorb products. And we've had people tell us like, well, no, we don't need it that way. Cause our industry is like this. And they're like, no, it's not like you're lead generation, like stop trying to act like you're special. And I'm like, but we are They're like, no, you're not. I'm like, fuck. Okay. We're not.
1: That's uh, so interesting because I, I, I've recently, I do, you know, a, a lot of commercial real estate. And so, um, I was the young, naive real estate investor in Arizona in the early 2000s. And I was aping into deals, over you know, going, you know, what? You'll give me 105% like, this is awesome. What could ever go wrong? You know, and I was like, but I bought them at a discount. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki. I was, you know, I hang around his, his offices and his studio and things like that. And some of the people, they're like, Hey man, young guy, young buck, slow down. The market doesn't always go up forever. Uh, you know, part of the thing I was like, well, you just don't understand. I'm super smart. And, you know, like it's it's different this time. Uh, ah. My mom said, I am a really unique, special snowflake. And <laughs> I believe that. And so that just means, uh, you know, that nothing can go wrong. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, they were right. And now I see some of these things exactly to your point. people aping into like net lease deals, signing multi-million dollar uh, personal guarantees on, you know things like CVSs with three years left on the lease. and like they're just so queuing themselves up. And I actually put together a due diligence course because I was like, I just feel like I'm the salty old dog now that's like, be cautious don't get run over across the street, you know, whatever that is. And it's like, I'm not that old, but at least I've seen some of the cycles going through. So I'd love to wrap up here. What are some things that people can bring of value to you? What are you looking for? Maybe it's, you know, investment opportunities or connections or the next enterprise software client uh, for, for, you know, batch services. And then where can people find you?
0: Yeah, I would love to, if anybody watches this that um, is looking for any data solutions uh, pertaining to residential or commercial real estate on the enterprise side, I'd love uh, to connect with you or if you um, have built a business on the enterprise data side, I'd love to talk to you because that's the new space that I'm learning. I'm not claiming to be an expert or know everything. That's like the new thing that I'm having to dive into books and find the right mentors for that because we were... You know we're a smaller business business lead generation side right now um, for our other products. So these new products, it's it's been interesting and and fun to learn. But um, as I said, I'm always uh, eager to to pick at someone that's already done it, so they could tell me what not to do and give me some advice um, to make sure we're we're trending towards the right track. Um, and um, I love to invest in and in startups. So if anyone has a startup, you know, reach out to me, and I would love to talk to you. And uh, the easiest way to find me on social, I'm um, not really do Facebook anymore. It's not on my phone. Don't get on it. Should Probably just uh, cancel it. But Instagram is just my first and last name, Jesse Burrell. Shoot me a DM on IG. That's probably the one social that I do any type of checking on. But that's the, the best way to get a hold of me for sure.
1: Well, everybody... Again, uh, knowledge in there. That's so many knowledge uh, drops in there. Uh, super excited for you getting a chance to wrap up and check out Jesse and, and what he is building. And we'll have to maybe check in in a couple of years. See if you got to uh, to nine figures.
0: <laughs> I love to.
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.realestate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.